What a powerful, powerful morning, and what a beautiful red-headed singer we have today. We're married, so I'm allowed to flirt with her, right? Is that all right? Would you show your appreciation to the worship team, and what a, what a powerful morning. Well, if you don't mind, go ahead and take a moment and just look around you. Say hi to a few people around you. If you're comfortable with it, give them a fist bump, elbow bump. If you're watching online, drop a comment below. We'd love to know that you're with us today. I've gotten to meet several uh, new people, and it's always incredible to do that. Well, we're so excited you're here. I want to echo what Pastor Chuck said. What a, what a powerful word. Thank you, Pastor, for uh, just an incredible, incredible word. Grit has already, the series has always already impacted my life and so many that I've talked to today. Uh, one of the things that we do pause every single Sunday for is what we call a time of generosity. And honestly, when it comes to generosity, sometimes we find ourselves on the side of being the giver. And sometimes we find ourselves on the side of being a receiver. And both of those are opportunities for us to honor and glorify God. When we're on the side of giving, it's a way of us saying, God, everything we have comes from you. And so, God, we want to return part of that for your purposes, your kingdom. And then sometimes we find ourselves on the receiving side where we say, God, thank you for how you answer prayer. Thank you for how you're at work. And man, you guys are so generous and we're so grateful for that. A lot of churches are struggling. We've seen a little bit of the pressure over the last couple of weeks. And so we're grateful that when you're able to give and maybe you've already given, but you want to give a sacrificial gift, I'd invite you to do that. It's powerful when we do that. I was trying to, I told Pastor Chuck earlier today, Oftentimes we try to connect and just remind you that when you give, good things happen. And one of the stories that I wanted to tell you is there's a newer nonprofit that started earlier this year, and their goal is to partner with churches to help churches uh, in the process of discipleship, helping people become more like Jesus, look more like Jesus. And there's a lot of churches that are struggling. They don't have teams. They don't have a plan. And because of your generosity, we were able to help start that nonprofit to join them in partnering. And because of that, there are 3,000 churches this fall that are getting able to uh, launch a brand new discipleship project. Isn't that pretty awesome? Would you give yourselves a hand because of your giving? We're able to partner with uh, nonprofits like Practice in the way, so we're so grateful. The QR code's there on your seat. We've also got it on the screen. If you haven't given yet and you want to be part of that, I invite you to do that. Uh, it, it goes so far and it means so much. Another thing I do want to mention is we do have date night coming up a week from Thursday. And so if you're a married couple, if you're a dating couple, if there's somebody you like, uh, invite them on out. It's going to be a fun night. It's going to be a night of a lot of laughter. We believe that it's hard to... Say to somebody, I love you, unless you're able to laugh together. So it's going to be a great, fun night of laughing, and there's going to be some great truth dropped in there as well. The meal, child care, and an amazing evening, just 25 bucks. And so we'd love for you to be part of that. Uh, would you all help me invite Pastor Chuck back up on the stage for a minute? Uh, if you're here a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Chuck did what we call in the ministry, he told a pastor story. Do you know what I mean by that? It's when uh, pastors exaggerate just a little bit. And pastor, pastor said that I was turning 50 back in September. And Don't some look, of you believed him. Tell me, does he look good for 50 or A what? lot of y'all believed him. And so At least half of y'all said, is he really 50? 
And so at first I was a little offended that y'all believed him. And then later I was like, all right, that's going to be my strategy going forward. I'm just going to say I'm older than I really am so that you'll say you look good for your age because I like that. But I do appreciate that you colored your hair this week. That's pretty cool. At least I still have hair to color. (laughs) You win. You win. Because he's coming out so fast. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Would you help me celebrate Pastor Chuck? Tomorrow is his birthday. He turns 73. (laughs) And to help you... We have an old man approaching sign, fitted on a cane. If we don't see you coming, you can let us know you're coming. You can keep all of your vitamins and pills in here. That is true. (laughs) If you can't hear, you can put this up to your ear. And then when you're trying to read that little Bible you had up here, here's some spectacles. I think that'll come in handy, don't y'all? This is what it's really used for. Pray for your pastor. That's not right. That is not right. Uh, Pastor uh, actually turns 63 tomorrow. If you are a banana pudding person, he loves that. That'd be a great love language gift. But uh, this last week, I went home to Olive Branch to be with family in my home church, and I was able to talk to their team, and it just reminded me of something that, that I think you know is true. We've got an amazing pastor. He's not, yeah, he, um, he's not just sitting back coasting. He's not just taking it easy. He's not just delegating. He's a person that wakes up every day and says, where's God at work? How can I join him? He's got tenacity. He's a risk taker. He's somebody that says, when there's something that's wrong, I'm going to help make it right. You're a gift, not just to this church, but to, to pour into somebody like me. I'm so grateful to be I love you, man. your friend and to serve with you. Would you show some love and your support for our pastor? Thank you, buddy. I love you, man. Thank you. Love you. you. Even if you hit me. I wish you'd start preaching. Yeah, I'm going to start preaching now. Uh, And you've got something that's going to hit your email inbox a little later, just a little little something-something, right? So... Hopefully he doesn't hit you with the cane. Well, uh, today we are continuing as we teach through uh, Joshua. In fact, if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to fast forward a little bit to Joshua chapter 6. I love the setup. I love uh, love in chapter 2, we see Jericho before they take it. And if you know the story, they've been waiting for the promised land. One day we're going to be able to enter into the promised land. And so finally, after hundreds of years in slavery and Finally, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, you get to Joshua chapter 1, and they're finally going into the land. As we read it today, we're reading it from a New Testament perspective. So for us, it relates a lot to God's will and God's plan, that God has something more for us. He has a spiritual inheritance for us. So in chapter 1, where God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, that's powerful. Chapter 2 They begin to look at the promised land. They send in these two spies, and they're unlikely people, but they're willing to trust God. And then Pastor alluded to it last week in chapter 3, between them and the promised land is this giant river, the Jordan River, that's overflowing the banks, and God performs an unbelievable miracle to help them cross into the promised land. 
And then if you were to look at chapter four, they stop on the other side of the Jordan and they memorialize that moment. They say, we don't wanna forget what God has done. Chapter five, they realize there's some things that we've been disobedient over the wandering. We've, we've forgotten to obey God. So they, they reinstituted two things in, in chapter five. And then by the time you get to chapter six, they're finally looking at Jericho. They're finally looking at the first of many battles that are going to be in front of them. And when they see Jericho, the first thing that you see when you see Jericho is you see its walls. Jericho wasn't a very big city, but it had very tall walls. And so you can imagine when Joshua turns to all those fighting men and says, all right, we're about to go into the promised land. We're about to go and conquer Jericho. Jericho is an important city because it's on the edge. It's an important city because it represents what's gonna happen in the rest of the country. And so this is a big deal. So you can imagine all the people saying, what are we going to do? Well, if you have your Bibles, look at it in Joshua 6. Here's God's instructions. It says in Joshua 6, verse one, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. So in other words, the people of Jericho between chapter two and chapter six, they've heard about Israel and they've heard about Israel's God. Maybe they heard about the Red Sea that was parted. Maybe they heard some of those stories. So they're scared. They're locked up inside, scared. Verse two, well, actually end of verse one, no one went out and no one came in. They're scared. Verse two, then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Now at this moment, they're still on the outside of the city. At this moment, they still see walls, but God says, but I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its kings and its fighting men. Verse three, march around the city once with all of your armed men and do this for six days. So here's God saying, here's the strategy. Here's what we're gonna do. Verse four, make seven priests carry trumpets of ram horns in front of the ark, the box that represents God's presence among the people. And listen to what he says. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with priests blowing their trumpets. And when you hear them sound a loud blast, listen to this, on the trumpets, make the whole army give a loud shout then the wall, look at this, then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone straight in. Can you imagine Joshua? Joshua then has to turn to his fighting men. And, and so they see this, the, these giant walls, they see this opposition in front of them. And, and this literally happened for you. Maybe it's not physical walls. Maybe it's a unmet prayer need, or maybe for you, it's some physical ailment that you have. Maybe for you, it's the, a lost friend or a lost loved one that you've been praying for. Maybe for you, it's, hey, I thought I'd be further along in life than I am, or I thought I'd be married by now and I'm not, or I thought I have kids by now, but I don't, or I thought retirement was going to be better, but it's not. Whatever that, th there's something in front of us. And so Joshua turns to his men and they're asking the question, what are we going to do? And so Joshua says, all right, here's what God wants us to do. God wants us to walk around the city. Okay, what do we do after that? Are we gonna, uh, when we're walking around the city, are we gonna loosen some of the rocks at the foundation? When we walk around the city, are we gonna shoot fiery arrows over the top? When we're walking around the city, are we gonna throw a rope over and then rappel into the city? Josh is like, no, 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 here's what we're gonna do on day one. Day one, we're gonna walk around once, and then for the rest of the day, we're going to rest. 
Now, fighting men like to do what? They like to fight. And so can you imagine them going back to their camp, back by the river, and can you imagine their wives saying, hey, tell me about your day. When a wife says, tell me about your day, that's code for, tell me everything that happened, right? Tell me everything that happened. <laughs> Amen. What did you do today? Did y'all fight? Did y'all take on Jericho? And can you imagine the husband coming home that first day, just trying to, you know, posture it and be like, well, you know, Joshua's, you know, one of those guys that likes to think of a strategy. <laughs> so uh, all we did was we walked around the city. Oh, but, but we're going back tomorrow. Okay, good, good, good. Day two, what are we going to do, Joshua? We're going to walk around the city. Day three, what are we going to do? We're going to walk around the city. Day four, what are we going to do? We're going to walk around the city. And then we're going to go home and rest. Day five, what are we going to do? We're going to walk around the city. Go home, rest. Day six, what are we going to do? We're going to walk around the city. Go home. Can you imagine how frustrated those fighting men must have been by day six? They're like, really? Is this all we're going to do? Really? We're just going to have trumpets in the front that are playing a little bit. We're going to have the ark of God in front. And we're just going to walk around the city and rest. And he's like, that's exactly what we're going to do. Yet if you know how the story ends... Their faith overrules their thinking, and God does something powerful. Let me give you sort of four quick truths. If you're circling something today, if there's a problem in front of you, if there's an unmet need in your life, if there's something you've been praying for, if there's something that seems impossible, reminder number one is for us to focus on the promise instead of the problem. Does that make sense? A lot of times, and it's not always true, but a lot of times what happens for a lot of us is we see problems first. So for them, it would have been real easy just to say, well, look at the big wall. Look at how tall it is. Look how impenetrable it is. Look at how, uh, 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 how amazing that is. We, we've been on a 40-year walk in the wilderness. We don't have walls. It would be easy to see problems first. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, that's where we fall. I mean, if we watch the news all the time, we look at social media feeds all the time, we, we, the easiest thing for us to talk about is what's wrong. But what would happen if as we're circling, instead of focusing on the problem, we saw the promise of God? The promise of God in verse two is I've given you the city. The promise for, from God was for hundreds of years, I'm giving you a land. The promise of God to you and to me is I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. The promise of God to you and me is I am faithful to you. The promise of God is I provided a path of salvation that you can't earn and you didn't deserve, but I did it for you. The promise of God is always true. And so instead of seeing how big our problems are, what would happen if we flipped that script and said, instead of how big the problems are, how big the promise of God is? Are you tracking with me? So reminder number one is for us to see the promise rather than the problem. Reminder number two is to stay silent to stay silent instead of griping. I told the first hour on my way here today, 
uh, I, I'm thinking about this message all week long. And on the way here today, I, I left the house a little bit late. And so I'm trying to make it down here in time for our pre-service huddle. And I had some things to take care of. And so on my way here, I'm a little bit rushed. And of all the days in the fall, this is the weekend that they shut down parts of Peachtree Industrial for cyclists to have their little race today. I don't know if any of y'all get stopped by that today. Uh, on my way down Peachtree Industrial, I got stopped at every single light. And one of the lights, I was there for probably 10 minutes or so. And, and typically what happens whenever something frustrates us, we tell the world about it. Uh, we get on social media. We're like, I can't believe Peachtree Industrial. In fact, I was telling Chuck earlier, last year when this happened, I got stuck. Uh, the, the person that was directing traffic, they had one hand up telling me to stop, but they had the other hand doing this at the same time. So I, I interpreted, well, I'm going to go then. And he got mad and he's like, stop. I was like, you're doing both, bro. And um, not very pastoral, right? Pray for your pastors. Please do that. One hits people, the other person. Anyway, and this guy said to me, I'm doing the best I can. And I was like, oh, sorry. Right. But so immediately we tell everybody about the stuff that frustrates us. I guess I'm actually doing that right now, aren't I? <laughs> Pray for me. We tell the world about all the things. What would happen if instead of telling everybody else about it, we remained silent and chose to tell God about it? Does that make sense? We said this a few weeks ago. If it's, an, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And sometimes I think we just tell everybody else except for the one that can actually do something about it. Does that make sense? And so when Joshua is talking to his men, he says to them in verse 10, as you're walking around, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to. In other words, I want you to be silent. I want you to be silent. One day, day one, be silent. Day two, be silent. Day three, be silent. Day four, be silent. Day five, be silent. Day six, be silent. Day seven, be ready to yell your guts out. Amen. Uh, be ready. You know, one of the things that musicians do sometimes when they've been singing, my mother-in-law is here and she's an unbelievable singer. One of the things that happens for singers is if they're not careful, They'll talk all day long, and then when it comes time to sing, it'll be hard to sing. And so sometimes what musicians will do is they'll put out a little sign and say, hey, I'm on, I'm on vocal rest today. So that by the time they get up to sing, they just belt it out. What would happen if six days a week, instead of telling everybody else about our problems, we, we stayed silent and told them to God. And then when we came in this room on Sunday, these songs weren't just words on a screen. They weren't just some little part of the surface. What if they were our time to scream and give the war cry? Does that make sense? So number one, see the promise instead of the problem. Number two, stay silent instead of griping. Reminder number three, step out in faith instead of stalling out. Most of the time what happens when we see walls in our life, we get paralyzed. At least that's true for me. We get paralyzed. And so Joshua says to them in verse eight, he says, God spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the arks, the seven trumpets before the Lord. They went forward blowing their trumpets and the ark of the Lord of the covenant. Verse nine, the armed guard marched ahead of the priest who blew the trumpets and the guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding. Verse 10, but Joshua commanded. So what you begin to see is even though they don't understand it, they still obey it. 
Does that make sense? Even though they don't, they're like, we're not going to climb walls. We're not going to undo the foundation. We're not going to shoot arrows. We're just going to walk. Joshua's like, yeah, we're going to walk. And what do they do? They end up stepping out in faith. That's why I think Joshua 3 from last week was so powerful. Sometimes we just need to get in the water and take the next step. What's that next step? What's that next step? What is that? What would it look like to, to be willing to step out into the unknown? What would it look like to be willing to step out in faith? Because oftentimes God's plans aren't our plans. I mean, they wanted a military, they, they, they wanted to bring out all their fighting men. Hey, we're going to fight. And God says, no, I want you to trust. Hey, we're going to shoot arrows. And God's like, no, I want you to shoot prayers up to me. And it's almost like every single time they took a lap, it's almost like God used every single lap on those six days to cause them to get to the end of themselves so that they could realize only God can do this. What would happen if we quit trying to fix everything ourselves and we say, God, I can't, but I know that you can. In a similar way that you used Abraham in his old age, you could use me. In a similar way you used a stutterer like Moses, you can use me. In a similar way that you used Rahab and some random spies, you can use me. God's plans aren't our plans. And finally, reminder number four is we need to surrender in obedience and trust God with the results. We need to surrender in obedience and trust God with the results. Oftentimes we get those flip-flops. We want to, we, we focus on results. We try to focus on the bottom line. What's the result going to be? But here's the equation. Our job is to be obedient to whatever God says. God's job is to do whatever he wants to do with that. Does that make sense? Our job is I'm going to do the next right thing. I'm going to do what God puts in front of me. Even if I don't see all the steps in front of me, even if I don't know how it's going to turn out, I'm going to do, I'm just going to walk. And maybe there's something in your life God's telling you, I just want you to circle it for a while. I don't want you to give up and to say, hey, I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep obeying. And when we trust God through obedience, we get to see what only God can do. If you fast forward towards the end of this chapter, look what happens in verse 20. So on the seventh day, the people are like, well, what are we going to do? And Joshua says, we're going to circle not one time and go home and rest, but today we're going to circle seven times. And after that seventh time, I'm going to give you the cue. And when the cue goes off, the trumpets are going to sound. And instead of being silent, I want you to shout. Instead of you just going, you know, pulling out your bows, I want you to shout. And here's what it says in verse 20. When the trumpet sounded... The army shouted, and the sound of the trumpet, when the man gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. Our job is obedience. God's job is the results. And what happened when they trusted him is they didn't have to raise a bow. They didn't have to light a wall on fire. They didn't have to, to, to uh, repel into the city. They just had to do what God said, and they won that battle without one single person of the Israelites losing their lives that day. Are you tracking with me? That when we trust what man can do, we get man-like results. But when we trust God, guess what we get? We get God-like results. And so I've got a question for you today. What's your Jericho? What is that thing that's looming in front of you? Maybe it's the death of a dream. Maybe it's the death of a loved one. Maybe it's some unmet need in your life. Maybe it's a health scare. 
Maybe it's you're entering into a new season. Maybe you had uh, the loss of something in your life. What is your Jericho? And are you willing to allow God to win that Jericho in your life? Are you willing to trust him? In just a moment, I'm gonna pray for us. After I finish praying, we're gonna stand. And this morning, I'm gonna ask you to help us to know how to pray for you. I think there's a lot of us in this room. I would raise myself in my hand as well to say, I've got a Jericho. There's some walls in my life. And if we're not careful, we'll stop after one lap. If we're not careful, we'll stop after two days. If we're not careful, we'll stop after three days, five days, six days. And the encouragement is don't stop at six. Go into seven and allow God to work. Would you bow your heads for a moment? very reverently, very quietly. If you don't mind, would you just stand as we pray together? In just a moment, Pastor Chuck's gonna come and just pray over us as our pastor, as our shepherd. Zach and the team's gonna lead us. But with every head bowed, every eye closed, man, I wanna encourage you, if there's anybody, is there anybody here today that would say, as you pray, pray for me because I need to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I need to trust the gospel like Rahab did even before the cross and that picture of that scarlet robe, that picture of what it means to put your faith and trust in God. If there, is there anybody that would just say, as you pray, pray for me, I need to put my faith in Jesus. If that's you, very quietly, reverently, would you just slip your hands straight up in the air, straight up in the air as a way of saying, I need to trust him, put my faith in him, be safe, amen, 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 wow. You can put your hands down. Let me ask a second question. Is there anybody this morning that would say, hey, as you pray, pray for me. I've got a Jericho. Now I get it. Jericho was a literal place. In fact, if you go with us to Israel over the next couple of years, we'll go to where Jericho was. But spiritually, we've got a Jericho. We've got something that seems too big and too strong. Is there anybody this morning that would say, pastors, as you pray for me, pray for me that I would be faithful and I'd get to see God work on my Jericho. If that's you, would you do the same thing? Just slip your hands straight up in the air, straight up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor, if you don't mind, would you come and just pray over us and spend time ministering over us today? Father, in the name of Jesus, there are people in this room who have a Jericho before them. And Lord, they need you to tumble those walls down. So, Father, I would ask that you would step into folks online, folks in the room, into their lives and do what only you can do. That you'd bring healing. You'd bring hope. You'd bring joy. You'd deliver peace. Lord, all those things are only found in you, and I pray that we would, we would look to you going all the way back to the psalm that Zach read, Lord, remind us of your goodness. Going back to Rahab and her faith, to Joshua being faithful to just walk and to trust and to pray and to look to you and then see your goodness take over. God, give us that kind of grit to walk with you this week. But God, I pray in the name of Jesus that these walls would fall that folks would experience freedom and joy and peace and hope in their life. And we would do so in the agreement that is all in your will for your glory. 
And as a result, because it's for your glory, it'll be for our good. So we praise you for that. And together we agree that regardless of how we came here today, we can leave walking by faith with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Before we go, I want to remind you of something. Then Zach's going to lead us in a quick chorus because he lives before we walk out. You know, when I was listening to Pastor Bobby, I was reminded that Rahab was a pretty unusual mommy. She was the mother of Boaz, which made her the great, great grandmother of King David. That same King David, who was a man after God's own heart, that same David, the house and the lineage of David, that Joseph and Mary would have come to Bethlehem to register for their taxes because they were of the house and the lineage of David. Where in their care and in that little stall, our Savior, the Lord Jesus, was born. If you don't think God can work a miracle, trace your lineage back and look at how God took that one woman and birthed Boaz. How her great, great grandchild would be a king of Israel the man after God's own heart, the house and the lineage of David where Jesus the Lord was born. Oh, my friend, that's what faith does. Let's sing of his goodness. Because he lives. Come on, sing it, church. I can face tomorrow because he lives. Yeah. Come on, I believe that. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. So let this Jesus. Let him go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. Let this Jesus go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved. And when Jericho stands in front of you, trust this Jesus as you walk around it and pray about it. Watch him crumble the walls and set you down victoriously on your own two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap you up in his big loving arms. Close enough that you can hear him say personally, my child, say it with me. I love you. God bless you. Go in peace.